Well, good morning. My name is Ryan, and uh, welcome to Journey Church International. As I was sitting down on the front row, and, and as I was thinking about the slides showing about Africa, I couldn't help but look around the stage and realize that we have a mission statement that not only extends to Kenya, but it was giving us a first-hand look right there on the stage. So you may not know, so, know the folks, but I know many of them on the stage, and to see them make decisions for Christ, get in Bible study, grow in the Lord, and then to see them up here worshiping today, really even above and beyond seeing what was happening there in Kenya, it blessed my heart to see the lives that have been changed and are now helping lead us in worship this morning. Well, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at a series called The Real Jesus. Will the real Jesus please stand up? And as we've looked at that, we've, we're finding out that it's very clear that Jesus wants it to be very clear to us that we know who he is. And sometimes people will say statements like, you know, why is it that Jesus so, is so ambiguous in the Bible? And I find that that's just not the case. In fact, we have been finding that out over the last few weeks. We're finding out that that's actually the opposite. Jesus not only made a lot of statements about who he was, but we're studying these seven I am statements that make it so clear that he wants us to know who he is. Of course, last week, Pastor Christian talked about Jesus being the gate. The fact that he literally lays down in the sheepfold to protect and care for his sheep. He literally lays down. And of course, we were learning, Pastor Christian shared with us, what you find as you read the Bible, that there's this long-standing picture of sheep and a shepherd that represent God and his people. So ushers, if you would come in your places, I want to pass out some Bibles. If you don't have it, we're going to look into God's Word today. Every week we open up God's Word and read some Scripture and study His Scripture. So if you don't have one, this is yours to either borrow or keep, whatever you need. Uh, we've given out a bunch of Bibles. We want to continue to put God's Word in people's hands. So if you would, open that Bible to John chapter 10 and follow with me. I want to read to you some words from Jesus in John chapter 10 verse 11 through 16. He said this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and it does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a, a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one shepherd, one flock and one shepherd. Now I want to give you just a little bonus. Everybody likes bonus points. I'm going to give you a little bonus that's a little bit separate from what we're talking about today. But how many of you have ever looked at those last verses at 16, it says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. How many of you have ever scratched your head and said, who's he talking about there? Well, just a little bonus for the day. He is talking at, at this time to a Jewish audience. He's talking about you and I right here. He's talking about the Gentiles. Anybody in this audience that's not of a Jewish background, he's talking about you and I who got the opportunity to be grafted into the family of God. He said, I'm going to be taking the message to another sheep pen, to the sheep of the Gentiles. And so that's just a little bonus for you. But Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And this is a statement of a man on a mission. Point number one, this is a statement of a man on a mission. 
as we look a little bit closer at the text today, we see that in just the first couple of verses, just the first few verses, that Jesus is literally telling us that he's going to lay down his life for the sheep. Now, not only did Jesus tell us recently that he's the gate, that he's willing to you know, lay down as a protection, but now we see that Jesus is literally telling us that he's willing to lay down his life. And he says it twice in this group of scripture here today. John 10, 11, I'm the good, good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. John 10, 15, just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, I don't know a lot of people who are willing to do that. But when Air, uh, Air Florida Flight 90 smashed into a frozen lake in the middle of a snowstorm, everyone on board died except six passengers. And within 20 minutes, a helicopter was flying onto the lake trying to save the people. And the first person they dropped it down to was Arlen Williams. Well, Arlen Williams passed the life preserver onto the guy next to him, and that person got life flighted out. And the helicopter kept coming back time and time again, and each time Arlen Williams would pass the life preserver onto the next guy. Well, the last final flight they came down to get Arlen, he had passed on. He literally had used every bit of his strength, sacrificing his life for the life of total strangers. And I don't, know, I don't know about you, but as I was researching stories this week about inspiration and people laying down their lives, these are the kind of things that inspire me. And I don't know about you, but I hope they inspire you to see people who are willing to give it all. And here is a person who was willing to give it all, and that's exactly what Jesus was on mission to do. It like mission number one was to go lay down his life for, for us. Now, unfortunately, I do quite a few funerals. And one of the greatest scriptures that I read is Psalm 23. Now, it's, the, it's the, uh, uh, a wonderful scripture that brings a lot of comfort at that time. But I think it's a scripture that you and I could grab onto even when it's not in those circumstances. Literally in the, in the life moments that we have of highs and lows that we need the leading of God. Now, what many don't realize is as they read Psalm 23, one thing you should do as you read Scripture a lot of times, somebody might say, hey, go read this verse. Well, you should read the verses before it and behind it. I like to read the, the, the books in front of it or the chapters in front of it. But if you would read Psalm 22, you would see this amazing picture of Jesus on the cross. And it's the belief of many scholars that actually Jesus quoted all of Psalm 22 while he was on the cross. Because if you look at several of the statements from Psalm 22, they literally match what we see in the Gospels. In fact, not only is it several of the things that he said, but this whole drama of Jesus suffering on the cross is coming to life right there in Psalm 22. And the most obvious verse is Psalm 22.1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we see that from Jesus' lips while he's hanging there on the cross. And then Psalm 22.16, as those who are around him are you know, yelling at him and throwing curses at him, and obviously they've pierced his hands and feet and stuck him on the cross. 22.16 says, Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. So as we look at these verses of Jesus' crucifixion, we're reminded of just this great truth. And this is a truth I want you to walk away with today, that Jesus is both a sheep and the good shepherd. He is a sheep and the good shepherd. In fact, Jesus is called the Lamb of God by John the Baptist. If you look earlier in the book of John, in the first chapter, you see in verse 29, it says, The next day 
John saw Jesus coming toward him. And what did John the Baptist say? Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I want you to learn something today. Anytime any of us teach, we want people to walk away with something they've learned and hopefully something that's stirred their heart to action. And I want to do both today. But as we mentioned our mission statement a moment ago, we have a church that exists to see people who are far from God become passionate Christians who make a difference in the world. And I believe that in here today, we probably have those who are far from God, we have those who are new Christians, and we have those who are striving to be passionate Christians. But all of you may be wondering this question that I did at one time in my life, and maybe you're wondering, wondering, how is Jesus a man, how is Jesus God, and how is he both? And it's really an amazing truth of the scripture. And J. Vernon McGee, uh, who was a great Bible teacher, I agree with most of what he said. Some of what he says I don't. But he has a commentary called Through the Bible. And he's gone to be with the Lord now. But he says this, and I wanted to read this to you. Because as I was studying this week, I thought this was so profound. And I want you to understand this truth. Because when I understood this truth over 17 years ago, it changed my life. It says, Jesus is called the Lamb of God. How can he be the Lamb of God and at the same time be the Good Shepherd? This may sound like mixed metaphors, but it's one of the most glorious truths in Scripture. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John 1.29. He came down and identified himself who are the sheep, but he's the shepherd also. The fact that he became a lamb emphasizes the humanity of Jesus Christ. The fact that he is the good shepherd emphasizes the deity of Christ. He alone was worthy and able to save us. No other human being could do this. He had to be God. You see, Jesus literally came down for a divine purpose. He came down to take the punishment for your sins and for mine. He literally became what we find in the Old Testament. If you read your Old Testament, you'll find that uh, around the time of Moses, they set up a sacrificial offerings. There was a separation between God and between his people. And Moses heard from from God about how they were supposed to take care of that, that distance between the two of them. How could they make up for the sins? And God laid out a sacrificial system. We see, we see lambs sacrificed. We see doves sacrificed. We see this sacrificial, to, to, in other words, to cover the sin of the people. Jesus literally came to be the sacrificial lamb once and for all for your sin and for mine. And again, when I understood that truth, when I understood that truth 17 and a half years ago, it literally changed my mind. To realize that he died for my sins, it became personal to me. And he changed my life. So I want to share this wonderful truth is that Jesus, who was both the Lamb of God and the Good Shepherd, came with the mission to lay down his life for the sheep. Now the second thing is, is that because we are sheep, we need a Good Shepherd. Now John 10, 12, and 14 says this, The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks and the flock attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. Now it may not be exactly how you and I want to be described. Being called a sheep is not exactly flattering, especially as we look at the characteristics of sheep. But it's the reality is it's who you are and it's who I am. You see, if we look at the Bible, we'll see that over 300 times sheep are mentioned. 
and oftentimes it's the animal sheep, and oftentimes it's a person, it's, it's people. And so as we compare ourselves to sheep, we see many similarities. And again, it's not, we don't necessarily like these, but sheep are helpless. Sheep are helpless, even though we think that we can do it all on our own. And sheep are difficult to train. Let's face it, we don't necessarily like to, to do what people say. We can be stubborn. Sheep don't hear well. And oftentimes, I don't think we like to listen to advice. How many of us love to just listen all day long to the advice of other people? We, we don't like it. Sheep go astray and they wander. And I know that my life before I knew Christ, before I knew the shepherd, I sure wandered a lot. I sure got off track a lot. I, I, I'll share my testimony soon, but the reality is my life was the wrong direction without some real guidance in my life. And we don't like to seek guidance. So the fact is sheep need a shepherd. Uh, it's not something we like to be compared to, but Isaiah 53, 6 says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. And Luke nineteen ten, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the good news. Now, the reality is, is I wish we were all more like my daughter Hannah. Excuse me, I meant, yes, I meant faith. Thank you, I looked down at Hannah, she's going, wrong one, daddy. You meant faith. I wish they were all like my kids, sorry. But pray for her, she's at home, she's had a, a bad temperature all week long, my wife's at home with her, but the other night, and maybe this is the why, it was out, it was out cold, and I said, hey Faith, why don't you come on outside with me and help me? We're going to rake some leaves, and I'd like you to sweep off the deck. And so I'm out raking some leaves, and I like to, you know, mess with my kids, and I like to give them a hard time. And I looked over at Faith. I thought I'd, I thought I'd give her a little trouble, and I said, hey, what are you doing? And she just, Daddy, I'm doing what you said. I'm raking the leaves. And I just thought, in that moment, her answer was like, that's it. That's exactly what you and I should be like. How, 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 how easy would it be if all of us were that easy to be led? My daughter, Faith, loves hard work. And the other day, my, my daughter Hannah, I said, I'd like you all to be like her. The other day, she was actually trying to talk faith out of being a hard worker. She looked at her like, what are you doing? Why are you working so hard? And I, and I pulled Hannah aside. Don't you ever? What are you doing? You're the oldest. Don't you dare. She loves to work. We've got her fooled. This is fantastic. Don't do that. She, she loves it. But I just thought her answer to me, you know, what are you doing? Daddy, I'm, I'm doing what you told me. You told me to, to sweep the, the rakes off, the leaves off the, the deck. And it was perfect. And I just thought, there's so many ways that we are like sheep, and there's so many ways that you and I need a good shepherd. Now, the third part is the most important today, and I really want to, this is when I, when I was praying this week, this is the part that I really wanted you to walk out of here, connected to something that you learned today. And, and see, Jesus is telling us that he's the good shepherd. And this is a statement, this is a statement to encourage those facing difficulty. John 10, 14, he says, I'm the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. See, the truth is, Jesus wants you to know that he knows you. Let me say that again. Jesus wants you to know that he knows you. He literally knows everything you're going through, and he knows everything you've been through. And I've heard it said before, everyone is dealing with something. Let that sink in for a minute. Everyone is dealing with something. If I was to talk with everyone here, I would find out very simply and very quickly that everybody in our congregation and really everybody in our community is dealing with something. Just in the conversations I've had in just the last few weeks, 
I could tell you that there's people that we know who are dealing with some real serious health issues. And they're wanting to know that Jesus knows that they're with them. There's people that are struggling in their marriage. And in our small group the other day, we were just talking about the fact that marriages are under fire and how we should be praying, you know. And and I want to encourage you today. You need to be praying for your marriage. You need to be praying for the marriages of people you know. Because marriages literally are under attack. It's, It's a real institute of God, and I believe that God would love to uh, to hold up and strengthen those marriages, and the enemy would love to destroy each of our marriages. There's those that are struggling with finances. Just in the last couple of weeks, people we've talked to, that they're, they're struggling. They've had layoffs. Some of them are due to layoffs, and others are just, just struggling with difficult things that have happened. Relational conflict, those that have had issues within extended family or family. And there, there's, some, there's some real challenges And then I know of some folks that have some legal difficulty that they're fighting through. But the reality is, in the midst of all of that, Jesus literally wants you to know that he knows you. That he knows what you're going through and he's walking with it with you. And and here's a fact that I want you, this is the part as as I really started thinking about this message. This is what I wanted you to walk away with today. As the good shepherd, Jesus wants you to listen to his voice. Jesus wants you to listen to his voice. In fact, in John chapter 10, he mentions it a couple of times. And here we see it in in chapter 10, verses 27 and 28. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. Jesus literally wants us to listen to him. And in Psalm 23, we see a, a psalm from a man who I believe learned to listen to God. In my men's group, we've been studying First and Second Samuel. And we've been talking about how David oftentimes will pause and listen to God. Or he'll pause and ask God what to do. And then sometimes he doesn't. And we get to see the consequences of when he doesn't ask God. And then only my guys, there's a certain stick that was kind of important. And I knew I'd get a, a few smirks out of them. There was something he had to do with some Philistines and I won't bring that up today because it's rather disturbing, but we joked about one day about what certain stick might have been used to, to do some counting of something. But when we see the life of David, we see that he listened and followed God. And then there's times when he didn't stop and pause, and he didn't. But I believe Psalm 23. I really believe this. I believe that Psalm 23 is written by a mature king. I believe it's written by an older, wiser, weathered King David who literally had been through some tough times, had been through some good times. I believe life had, had battered him. I believe, he, I believe he'd known some victory, but I, I know that he had he'd known some hardship. And this is wisdom of a man who had listened to the Lord and walked through all of those things with God. And as I look around, I believe it's important for all of us, especially young people here, but throughout our congregation, I believe more often we ought to listen to the wisdom of our elders. And I'm not just meaning the, the elders, leaders of our, but, but those who have maybe less hair than I, uh, maybe a little bit of gray, guys, gals. There's, there's a lot of wisdom through life experiences of God leading some of the, the older folks in our congregation. And I believe we ought to really, we ought to pick their brain. We ought to listen to them. We ought to be guided by some of the great wisdom that God has led them through, through, the, through the years. Now, my dad is one that I look to. My dad retired a week ago. He retired on a Thursday, jumped on a plane for Maui on a Friday. God bless him. And he, 
he has been sending me texts about every day with some picture of Maui. God bless him. And I say, awesome, Dad. Awesome, Dad. So I thought about today when he sends me one and he's checking out the sunset. I may have a few kind words for him. Thank you. Keep it to yourself until you take us with you next time. But anyways, my dad, uh, as I think about the kind of song that he would write, my dad didn't come to know Christ until he's in his 40s. His own dad died at age 43 of alcoholism. He grew up in kind of a tough home. His mom moved quite a bit, literally at times, you know, three and four and five times in one school year. And so he, he grew up with some difficulties and, and had some struggles in marriage and, and ended up now as an awesome Christian for the last 20-some years, now married to a Christian lady. But I, as I thought about it, my dad, having weathered numerous storms and, and had some ups and downs in his life, I thought about it, and I thought Psalm 23 might be the kind of psalm that my dad would write. In Psalm 23, I want to I read it, and I want you, as I do so, I just... Not in a quirky moment, but in a moment, I'd like you to close your eyes, and I want you to, to literally listen to the words. And this is, this is the words of King David, but these are the words that I believe that he thought of his shepherd, his Savior. And I just want to read Psalm 23, so just in a moment, if you would just close your eyes, and I want you to, to listen for God to speak to your heart as I read Psalm 23. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now what a summary of a life that has walked with God and listened to God through tough moments, through difficult moments, through celebration moments. And I want to I point to you, what did you hear? What did you hear that you can expect from the Good Shepherd? I want to ask, did you hear it? In Psalm 23, we see that God says He'll give us provision. He'll take care of us. He says He'll give us rest. He says He'll give us guidance. He says He'll give us protection. He says he'll give us comfort and peace and strength and he'll give us love. And then the reason it's read so often in funerals is because in verse 6, he says he'll give us final rest. Man, what, a, what, an, amazing, what an amazing chapter of scripture, Psalm 23. And let me just ask you, have you experienced the leading of the good shepherd? Because I know you can. If you'll listen to his voice, I know that you'll be able to. But you see, Jesus, he wants you to listen to him through all of life's challenges. Every one of you who, who I described, perhaps, maybe I didn't know your story, but you said you listed what I'm dealing with. Jesus wants you to know that through all of those challenges, he wants you to listen to his voice. 
And so I, I thought about it for a minute, and I wanted to give you just a real simple, real clear way that you can understand how you can hear from the shepherd. Because I, I want you to know that it's possible that you may not be hearing all that God has for you if you're not doing these things. And I don't want you to think of these things as a task. I want you to think of these things as how can I do these things so that I can grow closer and hear from the shepherd. How does God speak to us? How does the good shepherd speak through us? Through his word. I read Psalm 23, and I don't know about you, but just hearing his word, I heard from him. Through prayer, through talking to him. He tells us to have a a secret, quiet place to pray with him. Through Christian friends, I don't know if you have a small group, but through Christian friends, and if I could give a little commercial here, time out. If you don't have a small group, I'd love to help you find one. That's my job, so a little time back in. Okay, through sermons, man, that's why it's so important. It's so important to be here on Sunday, to hear the message, to hear how how God's word is spoken. Through your volunteering, I don't know if you realize, but finding your purpose and doing what God's called you to do, serving and reaching out to others is one of the best ways for God to speak to your heart and tell you what he wants you to do in life. And through life circumstances, I don't know about you, but I have been spoken to through the challenges, through the difficulties, through the highs. I think he speaks to us through those times. Through your obedient giving, through really the fulfillment of obediently giving and being a part of God's work and looking up at the screen knowing that we've gotten to be a part of what's happening there. To know that you look up on the worship team and know that your giving has been a part of helping us reach people and impact people who are now helping lead worship. And Worship team, forgive me. I got through this and had to ask Danielle to forgive me. But I forgot to put through worship music. Because literally, I know that I hear so often from God through worship music. Uh, Two of my kids came with me this morning early, and my son Mason comes with me every week early. And man, we have had some of the best little worship sessions in there. Mason, have we ever just pounded and just like, woohoo? The other day, we were in the car, and we were pounding the ceiling, and the kids were doing it. We were having a good, we were just worshiping God. And we were hearing to him speak to our hearts. And so through these things, and, and, and you may not be hearing from God. You may not be hearing all that God has from you if you're not tuned into these things. And, and only you know how you're doing in these. And I'm not up here to say these to judge you or to try to make you feel bad. I'm here to try to help you to connect. If there's one thing that I want to happen today is that everybody in this auditorium would literally walk out of here and say, I get it. I literally know now how I can better hear from the Savior. And maybe, maybe you're not feeling led by the the shepherd. Maybe you're struggling, and being a small groups guy, I'm always thinking in small group discussion questions. I put together the small group discussion questions for some of our small groups, and then, of course, leading a couple of small groups, I'm always thinking in questions when I hear things. How will this apply, and how can I apply this to my life? And, And if this feels a little bit like a hammer on the head, it's meant to feel a little bit like a hammer on the head. But the question is, when are the quiet moments of your life? When you're prepared to hear from the shepherd, when are they? The next question would be, where do those quiet moments happen? Where do you have where you can escape to, or where do you have where you know it's just you and God, where you literally just said, it's me and you now. What do you have for me? How are you going to help me through this challenge? Lord, how are you going to speak to my heart? Where are those moments? And if they're not there, if you don't have any of those, if they're not happening, the question is why? The question is, why are you not hearing from the shepherd? Perhaps, perhaps it's because there's too much noise. 
I've got some props up here that I wanted to show you that I know for me, I really was asking myself this week, I was saying, what are the things that block me in my hearing from God or getting in the way from me of really hearing from the shepherd? And I grabbed this, this 1972 looking, I don't even know where we found this, Hannah. But this is a TV remote. And the reality is too often, let's face it, we end up glued to the television, and I think there's a zombie-looking guy up there. I've been, try to talk to me while I'm watching TV. Good luck. I am zoned out. So too often, I think we're, we're tied in front of the television. And I know that for many of us, it's the phone, whether we're talking on it, or how many of us know what this is? Instagram, Facebook. Twitter. Oh, wait, so-and-so had nachos for lunch. Yes! <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> uh-huh. This is now interactive. <laughs> the reality is that you and I, I there's probably going to be some new dysfunction or what's the word I'm looking for? We're going to have cramp and we're all going to like get time off work because we now have like thumb, Twitter thumb, you know? So there's sometimes that we've got to put the phone down. We've got to put the things down that are going to cause us in the evening to go, wait a minute, I spent an hour catching up on Facebook. I didn't spend any time listening to God. The radio, sometimes just the noise. How many of us, I just got to have noise in the background. Well, what about not? What about just having some quiet time? I have my kids. What is it called? It's not an iPad. It's a tablet of some sort. But the fact is, too many of us, we, we work long hours, and then we go home and we sit in bed and we catch up on email, or have to do some report, or got, and we, we sit there and we get stuck with this thing open, and we're not spending time in God's Word. And then we, can I get an amen, parents? Sometimes we need to put the kids to bed early. I didn't hear enough amens in there. Sometimes we need to put the kids to bed early so there's some quiet in the midst of our home so that we can hear from God. You know, it, let's face it, we, we may try at 8, but sometimes it's 10 before it happens. We've got to, we, maybe we've got, to, we've got to figure out a better plan so that we can literally have some time. Whether you get up early in the morning, and I don't always get a lot of volunteers for that, or we spend time at night. And then what about having a family quiet time? My wife and I were talking about this. We said how we struggle with all these things. How are we ever going to do anything different if we don't come up with a plan to have more time to listen to God? What about the fact that we could literally have our family try to do this? Now, we may need tranquilizers. If you've got four kids, five, seven, 11, and 13, sometimes sitting still for five minutes can be a, can be a real issue, let alone an hour. But I thought about it. I thought, why don't we do that? How many of us have movie nights? Movie night, a couple nights a week sometimes, or shows that we watch. We, we spend time, hour chunks, two-hour chunks doing those things, but the thought of why not, why couldn't you say, guess what, tonight from 7 to 8, we're going to just have some family quiet time. We're all going to be sitting in the living room. You're going to read, I'm going to read, and we're, gonna just, we're just going to pray and wait to hear from God. Now someone might say, well, that's weird. You're a weirdo. No, I'm just trying to transform the culture of my family so that we're a family who listens and relies on God. So I think there's times where we might be saying, I can't hear you, God. I can't hear you. And he's like, yeah, because all the noise is drowning you out. He's like, turn down the noise because I'm speaking to you, but you just can't hear me. And I'm speaking to myself today, but I thought if there's one thing I want people, 
I'm really serious about making some adjustments because I know that it would please me in such a great way if in a month from now some people came up and said, guess what? I literally have started to make my time, my listening to God a priority. Because what is it when people come up, they want advice from Ryan or Christian or somebody else. Guess what? I'm a person. Yes, I'm praying and I'm asking God to lead me by the Holy Spirit. But what is it you really need? You need the good shepherd to lead you. And if you don't have any time in your life to hear from him, no wonder you're asking a knucklehead like me. I want you to ask him. I want you to read his word. I want you to listen to things that are going to speak to you. Because I believe that there's a real God and real Savior who likes to speak to his children. Psalm 46.10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And I believe it's in those quiet, still moments where God resonates in your heart. And you're literally, there's, there's times when, I've, I've done a better job at this because I've been striving for it. But I, I, I'm amazed that I'm like, wow, ideas, creativity, wow, ideas of how to minister, or how to do this, or how to make this thing better so that we can reach more people. These things, I think, are what God is speaking to me through the midst of asking Him to speak to me. I think we say, God, lead me, speak to me, and then we're like, la, 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 la. We don't listen. There's a great truth. When Jesus is your shepherd, and you follow, when you listen to Him, your future is your friend, and you don't have to be afraid. You literally, you literally can live this thing called life joyfully, full of the leading of the Good Shepherd. And I want you to walk away from here today knowing that He knows you, that He loves you, and He wants you to listen to Him.